0: The San Diego Padres split their series against the Chicago Cubs thanks to some unlikely sources at the bottom of the lineup and a great start from Blake Snell. But more importantly, talking about the overall dysfunction of the San Diego Padres organization from the front office to players that haven't produced well. Why all the trades have added up to being bad. What's going on? How have we gotten to where we are, where I'm wearing this crazy hat? Because this team is underperforming so much, historically underperforming. All that and more. You know what you're listening to, guys? Let's get started. You are locked on Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings ladies and gentlemen and welcome to an edition of the Locked On Padres podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Tuesday, June 6th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You can follow my Twitter account at J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. If you want my personal tweets about all sorts of crazy, weird things, but if you want only Padres stuff, go check out at LO underscore Padres, where I usually live tweet the games. Haven't been doing as much recently, going to get back on that, but... All Padres content there, and if you want to see me on YouTube, whatever fit I'm wearing, and my crazy hat, and the Tatis bobblehead, and Pac Man, go check that out. on Padres, hopefully gonna cross 900 subs, and soon a thousand at some point. Hopefully that'd be very cool uh, in the near future. That'd be very great. Thanks to everybody who's already subscribed and whatnot. You know, first listen every day. You know how we roll here at Lockdown Padres. But also today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app. Create an account and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. Go check out Game Time, guys. And on today's show, we are recapping last night's game, but very quickly. This is not a big recap show. I just want to talk about it very quickly. And then we're going to be talking about my overall thoughts on AJ Preller and the, the moves the Padres have made, narratives and optics and ownership and like all sorts of things about where I think the current state Of the Padres is, and it's not necessarily all with stats and how the team is currently playing on the field. It's a lot to do with that, but it's it's a whole bunch of things, including you know the athletic article and you know rumors and all these sorts of things. So lots to talk about for sure on today's episode. So let's not waste any more time being silly. Let's get into it. Let's do this, man. Let's rock and roll. I'm really excited about this one. Firstly, like I said, last night's game. Uh, really good win for the Padres, 5 nothing to split the series against the Cubs uh, after, you know, I guess it was it was the up day for them with the offense. The past week since last Tuesday, the Padres' offense has literally scored nine runs or, that, or one or zero, basically, right? Like, they've just been um, completely up and down, peaks and valleys. Uh, they thankfully got the job done tonight, but it wasn't from sources that you would expect. For one thing, Blake Snell, his second straight really quality start in a row. Six innings, Zero earned runs, only two hits allowed, three walks, eight Ks. Lowering his ERA to 4.06 on the season, so it's a low fours ERA. Really good stuff from him. Most importantly, and most interestingly, I talked about this a few weeks ago and why I was worried about him, because he went to his fastball slider combo, which historically, uh, in his tenure with the Padres, has been usually a sign of him turning things around. He did that, and it didn't work. He got lit up pretty hard uh, a few weeks ago. But he went to the fastball changeup, combination this time and it seems to have worked. In fact, he generated 10 whiffs on 23 swings from his changeup last night. So is this just the new Blake Snell is he going to start throwing more changeups because the slider you actually only threw um 10 pitches of last night. It was his mo- it was his least used pitch among his fastball, changeup, curveball and slider combination. So that's very interesting and even more interestingly um what w- what was I going to say? Even more interestingly, Gary Sanchez was the catcher last night, and he was doing a good old framing. So so much good framing fact, that the manager for the Cubs, Mr. Ross, got uh, tossed out of the game. Probably rightfully. There was a lot of calls that went the Padres' way, but shouts to Gary Sanchez being uh, kind of the, the framer of last night. Even more of a reason why Austin Nola should not be playing as much because clearly Sanchez is at least going to be better than him in all aspects of the game. Even framing and defensive stuff, which he is not good at, Apparently, he might be better at it than Mr. Austin Ellis. So, shouts to Gary Sanchez, who also hits a home run in this game. He goes one for three with two RBIs with a two-run shot. Low, middle of the plate. This was not a pitch right down the middle. So, shouts to Gary for reaching for it. And, look, the Padres' offense did not come from the usual places. Odor, uh, back in the lineup, thankfully, uh, which was a bad thing that happened over the weekend, a groin injury, thought that it was just like, what more can go wrong for the Padres? But he's back in lineup. He does go 0 for 4, though. Um, Fernando Tethys Jr. goes 0 for 4 as well. And same thing for Juan Soto. He goes 0 for 4 with a strikeout. So, not from the usual places. Instead, it was Manny Machado, who just came back this weekend, 3 for 4 in this game with a double. Also, had a web gem defensive play. Go check out my Twitter account. I tweeted about it, um, I, or at least I retweeted it, one of the two. Oh, yeah, I said, uh, Uh Uh-huh, Manny in the Bound 2 voice. If anyone remembers that old song from the Yeezus album from the now disgraced hip-hop artist that I won't even say his name. Um, But, uh, you know, very funny there. So go check out that play. Hasan Kim also fell on top of a ball at one point. Uh, It it was a great defensive play. He ends up getting the force out at second, but that was really cool, really neat. Um, So yeah, love to see that from the bottom of the lineup. Matt Carpenter, Big Sacrifice Fly. That was cool. Jake Cronenworth gets an RBI in this game as well. Hasan Kim... Um, goes two for three with a double uh, as well and an RBI. So shouts to him as well. He's been doing a lot better at the plate for more than just a small sample size now. So players that usually haven't contributed, really great stuff. Only thing I didn't like is that Fernando Tatis Jr. had to play center field last night because they gave Trent Grisham a day off. That's where we're at. And we're at a point where the Grisham's offensive woes are really rough, and I don't know if they're going to get any better. I doubt it. And Tatis, I'm not wild about moving him to center field because he's been doing so good in right field. I don't want to press our luck there. He's been so good there. Although I understand the Padres might have a choice. Much of a choice, at least. But enough of that, ladies and gentlemen. We got to talk about the Padres' organizational dysfunction. And there's there are so many layers to this. So many. Um, we're going to be talking about individual player contracts. We're going to be talking about just sort of what I think, from my perspective. There was actually a, a thread that went like semi-viral on Padre's Twitter from Giannis poodle, which also got, I, for the record, not his real name. I don't know his real name. I tried finding it by search, like name-searching and everything on Twitter. My guy, I'm sorry... Don't know your real name, but he's been a Padres fan clearly for a lot longer than I. And he put a great Twitter thread that I'm going to link in the description of this podcast, link to his account and everything. He does really great stuff and really great game breakdowns, probably even better than me. To be quite honest with you, since he's known the team and been a part of it seemingly a lot more than me since 2020. Um, but he did a nice thread that kind of made a lot of waves. And I'm not just saying it for Padres Twitter because it was always, as he pointed out, actually from his own account, actually was mentioned in a Sports Illustrated article. So that's very funny uh, that it made it that far uh, up the up the food chain, dare I say, in sports media discourse. But I'm going to link that below. But before we get into it, I do want to mention one thing that I want to start out by saying this is with the Padres dysfunction, with all of the things that I'm going to talk about, one thing that I do want to start off by saying is that it's it's a warning how media and many water carriers for the league and its billionaires and everything are going to act. And you are going to get assuming a lot of what I'm talking about today is an assumption based on how bad the p- things have been, f- been for the Padres, right? For their organization, for their team building, everything. Some things I might even repeat myself for long time listeners of the pod, but still want to talk about all that. One thing I want to emphasize is if things go the way they are, I feel like Billy being at the end of Moneyball when he's like, I know these guys, I know how they think, they're going to cast us out, they're going to toss out everything we did. It's similar to that with the Padres. You're going to get a lot of people that are going to make blanket statements, in my opinion, on your big networks from MLB Network to maybe ESPN, wherever. People who don't necessarily follow the game as close, and they might not even mean it as nefariously, but... There's going to be a lot of people saying, see, this is why you don't spend money. Statements along that line. And it's so much more complicated than that. But there's going to be a lot of people saying that, that this is why you don't overcommit to players. This is why you don't do this and that. But they won't get into the nitty gritty, which I am hoping to do on today's episode for you guys, at least give my perspective on all this, because it is a lot more complicated than that. Um, And I think that it's worth breaking down all the individual moves the Padres have made that have to do with this current team and just overall kind of vibes, I guess you could say, and what seems to be the issues with the Padres right now. Because it's not as simple as just they have a high payroll and high payroll doesn't work. Because historically, and if you just look at people who won the World Series, it's not true. The Ashes are paying Jose Altuve. You know what I mean? Like, come on, guys. The Ashes are paying, they're putting out a decent amount of payroll. Whole ton, tons of teams have done it, the big outlier being the Kansas City Royals, and if anything, even if teams haven't won the championship, they are consistently in the playoffs, unlike other teams, right? So that's what I need to point out before we get into this. It's very important to mention that there are going to be plenty of those people that just put blanket statement, this is what happens when too much money is spent, and that is not true, it is unfair, it is it is not misinformation, but it is just, it's unfair, That's the best way to put it, because it's so much more complicated than that. I'm going to try to explain all my thoughts. But before I do that, ladies and gentlemen, I need to talk to you about something really, really good. I mentioned at the top of the show, and that is game time, ladies and gentlemen. Look, I don't like stressing about buying tickets. It stinks. It's not fun. I don't like the night before or the day of me worrying about Oh, what scene am I gonna get how much money is it gonna cost or is it even gonna be available I gotta see if my favorite player is playing and I, I don't know I want I gotta wait till the last second maybe I won't get off from work whatever but game time don't worry about it man forget planning in advance game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event and you can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football basketball baseball and oh wait it's not just for sports you can also get it for concerts comedy theater and much more More the game time guarantee, game time guarantee. Say that five times fast game time guarantee, game time guarantee, game time guarantee. Oh, it's actually not that hard to say that fast, but anyway, the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best prices if you find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game time will also credit you 110% of the difference. You get images of the seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive as well. You can buy them in a matter of seconds and then you're set. And they're sent directly to your phone. So you never have to dig through your email or anything crazy like that. Really cool stuff, guys. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use Lockdown MLB for $20 off your first purchase. That's right. Just for listening to my buffoonery, give me $20 off your first purchase, guys. Terms apply. But again, create an account and redeem code Lockdown MLB for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices. Guaranteed. Oh, yeah. And we're back, everybody, here on the Lockdown Padres podcast. Oh, we're we're, we're getting into it. We're getting into it. As always, thank you for making Lockdown Padres your first listen every day, free and available on all platforms. Let's do it, ladies and gentlemen. Let's do it. The first thing I want to do is talk about the current vibes of the team. What I mean by that is the current contracts of the team, the current big players, talking points of the team. And I think that all begins with Juan Soto. I think Juan Soto is a great avatar for what the issues with this Padres team are. And it doesn't necessarily have to do with Juan Soto himself as a player. He started off pretty poor and people have made a big fuss about his overall numbers with the Padres. But because of the last month, he's hitting the ball harder. He's been phenomenal. He's looking like an MVP candidate. He's been amazing and kind of almost getting to the point of where he was with the Nationals in terms of batting average and stuff like that, but also with his WRC+. Defense isn't great, but he's still been a great player overall. And I think before last this past month, this stretch since around April 27th, you were looking at his tenure with the Padres. 150 career WRC+, going down to like 120, which is still good, but not what he asked for. He's been great, though. He's turned it around, even despite what I mentioned that he went 0-4 last night. It's okay. He's been on fire for like a month now. It's fine. Bigger thing with Juan Soto is this, and I really do think it starts here. Why are you trading all of these guys? Robert Hassel, James Wood, top level prospect, hit his first home run in the double A last night, by the way. Or I think it was double A. He looks great. And I have insider word that people, even within the Padres organization, are like, wow, we really gave up a gem. So that's thanks. Nice. Give up James Wood. You give up Mackenzie Gore, who's been doing pretty well for the Nationals. You give up C.J. Abrams, who, while he's not a star or anything like that yet, he is super young, and he already got called up at such a young age. You give up all these guys, I remember Suzuna, and I think I mentioned Robert Hassel. You give up all these players, essentially a lot of your wiggle room and a lot of your flexibility and future assets for Juan Soto. I have no problem with that. In a vacuum. And that is a word I've used on this show a lot, and I'm going to continue using it. I have no issue with basically more or less any of the big major moves the Padres have made over the last few years. Most of them. I had an issue with Hosmer back in the day because it felt very, I'm going to say, Jacoby Ellsbury-like, which was, are we sure this will even be good year one? That is never a good sign when you're signing a guy long-term. It was bad. Hosmer, I was against from the very beginning, especially considering he's up and down. Go listen to my Eric Hosmer episode if you want more like thoughts on that situation. Austin Nola, same thing. I was kind of like, you know what, this stinks. But I'd rather just sign a guy for a year in the off season if the if the uh, Austin Hedges Francisco Mejia thing doesn't work, because at least with Hedges, you know you're getting a good defensive player. So I was like, whatever. They traded for Nola, a guy who was like just learning how to catch, and you're doing it in 2020, his like only season because he has a high batting average. That ends up stinking, and we see what we have now, right? But all the other moves, even Mike Clevenger, who at the time was like top five in ERA since 2017. They traded for him in 2020. Top five ERA in the league. Who's that good? Who's productive? You know, Even Mitch Moreland. I'll even go to Mitch Moreland, I kind of understood, because it was 2020. You want to get what's hot right then and there. I get it. The trade for Blake Snell. The trade for Yu Darvish. The trade for Juan Soto. The signing of Xander Bogarts. All these things we're going to talk about. It's about not being in a vacuum, though. I do not understand how the San Diego Padres traded all of their future and a lot of their flexibility for a guy that they have not extended, who is young, by the way. But you went out this past offseason, and you extended Manny Machado, you extended Jay Cronenworth, you extended Yu Darvish, and then you signed Xander Bogarts. So you got guys who were 30, in their 30s, Those guys you were okay with extending, but not the guy that you just gave up all those assets for, and and therefore getting rid of a lot of your flexibility to change this roster. That is the kind of surface-level poster intro paragraph for what is wrong with AJ Preller and company in the front office. I don't understand how you do that. Again, Bogarts I don't mind. I don't mind any of these deals in a vacuum, but let's keep going. With Xander Bogarts, he has a wrist issue that has been not popping up, but it has been talked about more recently because he recently stated, like, look, I need to, f- I'm basically, you know, a few days off probably will be a good thing, but I don't want to go on the IL and all these things. And my question to that is Xander Bogarts' OPS has dropped about 100 points since he got hit by a pitch about a month ago. Well, oh, a little bit or a few weeks. Yeah, basically a month ago. I forgot the exact date. He's dropped significantly. He's dropped significantly. You can see that he doesn't seem like he has a full follow-through in a swing, something I brought up on this podcast a few weeks ago. He doesn't have it. Just doesn't have it. But here's the thing about where management comes into issue. Why are you not just putting him on the IL? I don't care what the player thinks. At some point, you need to be a front office guy, and you cannot let players make a decision. They will always want to play. It is an admirable quality for players admirable, I respect the heck out of these guys they can play through pain that would put your boy who is talking in this dumb microphone right now out for the next three weeks I'd be like, I can't even type on my computer my dumb articles go check out JustBaseball.com if you want to hear them I did a uniform (laughs) record for the Padres should be out by the time you're listening to this really fun stuff why isn't he going on an IL? why isn't he in the 10 day IL? instead you're going to give him a couple days okay, whatever, whatever but I just don't understand that Oh, well, it might be because you don't have depth. Well, whose fault is that? That's the fault of the front office. If you're so scared that you can't put a guy who you signed to an 11-year contract. Oh, it was an overpay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was an overpay. And I don't mind it. But what I don't understand is where is your backup plan? If you know that a guy has this wrist issue, that, from what has been reported over the past couple days and what I'm gathering, this was also mentioned by Don and Mud on the game last night, that it's not an injury that can necessarily be solved with surgery. That it might just be something that flares up a lot. It's possible that this has been flaring up more, and this is something he Bogart said that he dealt with last year, and he still had a pretty damn good year last year, so I get it, but he got hit by a pitch there. And that's what's really hurt him a lot. So why isn't he immediately going on the I.L.? What's going on? Who's making the decisions here? It doesn't make sense. And even if that is all, you know, being led to account, you're going to give a guy like this, who's just going to have this off and on sort of thing. It was similar, although not to a giant perspective, as when Tatis had his shoulder issue that could just, as we saw, if he just swings the bat, it could mess it up and he could be out for three weeks. So we have something similar to that. And you're doing that again, even despite that issue you had with Tatis. You're not learning from your mistakes. Oh, but we ain't done yet. Jake Cronenworth, who they extend, I believe it was a day before opening day. Day before opening day. Oh, yeah. Mm Mhm. Day before opening day. I like Jake Cronenworth a lot as a player. I think he's fun. I think he's great. I love that he's one of the rare Padres players that they let come up through the farm and actually just be that random sort of producer that you get. You love it when players like that are able to come up that you don't expect and be contributors. But as my guy on Twitter at Real Brent Reed posted, now it's, these aren't like crazy numbers that you can't get anywhere, but, and I, and I sometimes do not like going by the stat cast bubbles only as telling the full story, but if you look at J. StatCast profile, every year since 2020, things have gotten worse. And I'm putting it up for my video listeners, right? Or video viewers, right? Video listeners, my video watchers right now. Just a general thing. You don't have to necessarily read too hard into it if you're watching the video, but it goes from a whole lot of red to less and less red every single year. From his hard hit rate being incredible, average exit velocity, his weighted on base, which is a great stat to determine, you know, kind of the value of individual hits instead of just singles and stuff like that. A lot of less extra base hits. He's even, his chase rate has gone down and not in a good way. Walk rate has gone down. After all the signs of a guy who wasn't even a highly tired prospect to begin with, Right? All of his numbers have been going down. And the twenty and by the way, one of those seasons that he was electric was the truncated small sample size of 2020. So all those numbers you gotta take with a grain of salt. That's a big that's a huge contributor to this. Why is a guy that has gotten worse every year in a lot of ways getting an extension now? I don't mind if you want to go in free agency and say I'd really like to keep this guy, but why are you keeping him for seven years? When even at his best, even if you're expecting a bounce back, why is the extension being given now? It feels like an overly gracious thing. I'm all for pro player. But I am wondering, is the scout mind of A.J. Preller, a guy who's going a little bit more on feeling, a little bit more by guys he knows and relationships, clouding his judgment and the rest of the front office's judgment? Because you got to look at numbers and say, we like Cronenworth. He's a good player. We'd love to have him on our team. I still like having him on the Padres good defense, good walk rate, doesn't swing at dumb pitches. He can have some. He's had some big hits in the playoffs before. Love that. Utility player. But why are you extending a player like that for seven years? I like Brad Miller. He's not having a great tenure the past couple of years, but that's a decent player. I'm not out here rushing to extend him for seven years. Instead, I'm like, hey, if we got a bunch of superstars on our team, I don't mind going out and being like, let's sign this guy for one or two years preferably one, probably, in the case of someone like Brad Miller. Or Robbie Grossman. And it's just just naming some players who are like, those are fine replacement-level players when you already have other superstars on your team. But seven-year extension, when he's been having less and less good years every year, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. It does not make any sense to me. It really doesn't. Really doesn't. Before we continue talking, though, guys, and I got a whole lot more to say. Believe me. I got to talk to you about something very important, and that is better help. Better help. Look, sometimes there's a stigma with uh, mental health stuff, and there shouldn't be. There shouldn't be. Um, I know that I myself got therapy as well, and it's very helpful because while you spend a lot of time pleasing others, whether it be work or friends or whatever, you do need to take time for yourself, and therapy can help you do that. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule, right? Not their schedule, but your schedule. And all you have to do is you sign up, you fill out a brief questionnaire, you know, fill in a bunch of things, and you get a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists, by the way, at any time with no additional charge. And that's cool. I encourage it. It's totally okay if a therapist comes out, and maybe they're not the perfect match for you. Maybe you're just not getting not not getting along, but it's just not, the like I said, not perfect synergy. Not everything's lining up. That's okay, and you could do it with better help with no additional charge. It's really great stuff, guys. Again, you need to find out ways to set boundaries, to 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 improve and make things better or more manageable in your life. Mental health is a very serious thing. And let me tell you, therapy does help from my experience. And BetterHelp is going to help you out with that. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on M L B today to get 10% off your first month. Remember that is BetterHelp H E L P, traditional way of saying it, obviously, dot uh, com slash locked on M L B. Go check it out. And we're back here on the Lockdown Padres podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Woo! Here we go. We're continuing. We talked about some of the individual players on the Padres. Talked about Soto. Talked about Cronenworth. Talked about Bogarts. Again, all deals that I don't hate. But again, with the Cronenworth, which I led off to, do you need to extend the player like that? And do you need to do all of this By the way, when you just traded your whole future for Juan Soto, it speaks to no forward, not forward thinking, no, um, I don't know the word for being able to see more than like what's right in front of you. You know what I mean? Like being, being able to forecast greater into the future. Whatever the word is, I'm blanking on it, but that's what I mean. Oh, and then there's Manny Machado who had a great game last night, and he's been the soul of the Padres. But here's what I'm saying about A.J. Preller and his potential scout mindset and his people-pleasing, player-pleasing tendencies, which is a good thing. Don't get me wrong. And some people will compare this to the Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves give out a lot of contracts too. The difference is that the Atlanta Braves give out a little bit more team-friendly contracts. And again, I'm not saying that I'm advocating for people to be paid less. I'm just telling you this is the reality of the sport and how you improve your team. I'm not saying this is a good thing. But the Atlanta Braves, yes they extended some guys like Michael Carter, they kind of dove in on that first year sample size. He's been struggling this year, albeit some injury but it is a tradable contract. They are not giving these guys ginormous extensions. I'll even go far as to say, did you need to extend Fernando Tatis Jr.? I don't hate it. Let me be very clear. I don't want the aggregators to take that and say, idiot podcast host thinks Tatis' extension was stupid. No. I'm just saying in terms of building a team, did you need to do it immediately then? For a guy who had an injury-riddled 2019, although great in the, in the 80 or so games that he played— and then had a really great 2020, which was a truncated season. Did you need to do that extension for 14 years, 300 plus million dollars? You didn't need to do that. I just don't think you needed to do that. But granted, if you did do it, okay. Then let's extend Soto. If you have two guys you're going to extend and jump in that are that are going to be stuck on your team for the next bunch of years, I don't mind it being the two, 20, the two like 22-year-olds in the case of Soto 24. You get my point. I'm totally cool with that. But after that, there's always a misconception about the Dodgers and the money that they spent. They get their Mookie, they get their Freddie Freeman, and then the rest, they give out good contracts. They give out a whole lot of money to other players, but they don't just give out giant contracts that are extending people into their 40s, like they did with Manny, like they did with Bogarts, like they did with Darvish, and in in some ways, like they did with Jake Cronenworth. You don't extend all these people on your team because then you don't have room for flexibility. Everyone wanted the Padres to sign Nick Castellanos. I said, don't do it. What happened? Juan Soto becomes available. There are so many different things and developments in the league that you cannot predict. You shouldn't just settle for now. That's the issue with the Padres. And on an organizational level, we got to talk about that 2021 athletic piece, which is something that the guy that I told you about that I linked in the description of this episode also mentioned as well. Lots of information, and I've heard from people within—I don't want to say within deep within the organization or anything like that—but I've heard, you know, from people and my own sources and stuff that there's a lot of stuff going on with the Padres. I know some people who are like, "Look, I think we're cooked," you know, "I think we're cooked on this on this Soto trade because he's not extended and James Wood is going to be a beast." A lot of people that I've heard from, and I'm not just talking about like locked-on hosts and random articles I read. People that I've heard from are like, "This James Wood thing is really going to bite us." I'm scared about it too. I was scared that the Mackenzie Gore part of this was going to bite us. And that, you know what I mean? Like I'm I'm already there. Like I'm already on the, on the bandwagon of, oh man, we're in trouble. Let me be very clear. Like I'm already like really nervous about it from that perspective. And James Wood isn't even up yet. Again, I don't hate the trade in the vacuum, but the fact you have an extended Soto just speaks to a lot of just shiny object. Go for it. The end. It's not good. It's not good. I have a question. Why does it feel like no player has gotten better when they join the Padres? They either stay what they were or they get worse. Even to an extent, Juan Soto's gotten a little bit worse. Manny Machado, he's stayed the same. It's not like he's done anything that's that crazy better than Baltimore. Aside from, in fairness, last year, he was pretty phenomenal. But he's been good before. That's a superstar. Matt carpenter has got worse. Mike Clevenger got worse. Nelson, the map fell apart. It just feels like the Padres don't have a good track record with attracting talent and improving that talent. You know, they don't necessarily they don't seem like a team that can go out there and find some random dude like these other teams do. And we talk about the Dodgers with guys like Vargas and Outman and and, and all these guys and Jason Hayward that they're able to bring guys in and make them better. That just doesn't feel like a thing that the Padres have been able to do. And I think part of that is something that was attested to in that 2021 article, and it comes down to A.J. Prowler being a micromanager. When that article came out, let me be very clear, the thing I made fun of was the rival executives think uh, it would behoove the Padres to trade Manny Machado in a deal similar to what the Rockies with the one Arenado. That annoyed me because it was like, of course rival executives want us to trade our best player for a player of the same aptitude as Austin Gomber. You know what I mean? Like, of course they want that. So that part I thought was ridiculous. And it should also be mentioned that that athletic article did have some positive notes about AJ Preller. It did mention crazy hard work ethic. He does want like the best and he's always running around ready to make moves. He's definitely working super hard and he's does have a good feel for kind of, you know, giving players like sort of this, good energy, like he's been gracious to players, like I said, handing out all these extensions which is sometimes good, sometimes bad almost knocked over Tatis as I said that that was somewhat Freudian Um, but the problem is the rest of the stuff and again, it should be noted it should be noted that you know, this isn't as bad as when the Athletic did a piece on the Colorado Rockies and their organizational aptitude where there wasn't a single person there wasn't a single thing good about Jeff Bridrich who is no longer with the team but with Preller, there were some good things. They talked about his, his work ethic, like I said. And also, there were people quote, in the piece that do believe in him still. I don't know if that's still the case now. And again, things have changed, right? Instead of, you know, Preller was, one of the critiques with him was that he kept bringing in people from Texas, from Jason Singler to overall, just players. I mean, we brought in Jorge Alfaro, right? Like, that was her critique. But then it somewhat got amended because of hirings of people like Bob Melvin who is now on the hot seat these days, right? Because how bad the team's been. And Ruben Niebla, who's from Cleveland. And Cleveland is a team that consistently develops pitching, which is something that the Pirates struggle with. AJ Peller seems at least somewhat available, in my opinion, of his shortcomings as, as a GM. But all the other things that that article talked about with micromanaging, too many yes-men, they're just not being the same path to improving this organization on a molecular level from front office people to people who are going to do stats to the people who work there. And that has resulted in not being able to develop talent, right? This is an organizational thing and it starts with AJ Preller, a guy who has a scouts mindset, in my opinion, for sure, is really attached to people he worked with in Texas, clearly, is ready to make the splashy move, but isn't apparently ready to let people do their own thing remember when he fired the farm director a couple years ago that was weird considering you traded all of the farm right why is farm director getting fired when you're the one who traded all the 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 pieces that's weird that doesn't seem like a problem there's hey we had top level prospects even despite the snell and all these trades right in 2021 with the snell and darvish and and all that stuff right like they still had like some some great prospects and i'm like i don't understand why the farm director is getting fired is it because he didn't fully follow what you wanted? Is he not a full yes man, which is something that the article talked about? That's a problem. You can't surround yourself with just yes people. That's bad. You know, what I mean, we all saw how Succession turns out. Mm, not the best example in the world. But bottom line, you don't want just, that's what these people do sometimes. You don't want that. You definitely don't. And I remember having a conversation with with a friend of mine talking about. This, this was a few years ago and a friend of mine who, who works really closely with baseball people as well was pointing out what the Padres are doing is great but I do wonder how much are they spending on their staff on the people that work for them non-player stuff but player development analysts research teams scouts all those sort of things is the money going that way? I'm not so sure and they pointed out hey you look at the Giants that one year right in 2020 hold on 2021, when they bro- broke 100 wins or whatever, they had the most coaches of like any team. You know, there's a path to improvement. Meanwhile, the Padres seemingly just have a bunch of guys that'll just stay there, and there's salaries that don't match up well. There's just a lot of issues, again, on a molecular level. So while you're spending a lot here at the major league level, which should be commended, I must plead. These things should be commended. I do not want, like I said, those people who are going to come out and say, this is why you don't spend that much. No, it's not that simple. It's just on a molecular, foundational, every single aspect of an organization. It does not seem that the Padres are doing enough there. And it starts with AJ Peller, which is why if the team keeps going the way it's going, they need to consider a change. And don't get me wrong. It's not the worst executive ever been. There's been a lot of worst executives in many sports. They've done far worse things because probably should be commended for going out there and saying, we don't want to be doing what the rest of these teams do, which is build your farm in perpetuity and then never spend. And then you just have to hope that you hit the lottery on all five great players and then you have to win in a two year window. Instead, he said, no, we're continuing that window and we're going to have stars and we're going to have big names and we're not just going to be second fiddle to the Dodgers or the Giants or the A's or whatever team or the Angels, whatever. They said, we want to go for it. The Chargers left town. We're not going to leave town. We're going to super commit. But how much of that praise should be given to Peter Seidler and his money and how much he was ready to commit to the team? Probably does deserve credit for some of the -the under-the-radar moves, like your Joe Musgrove trade, right? That one worked out really well. He did seemingly not give up too much for you, Darvish, right? Blake Snell, same thing. Even at one point, the, the Trent Grisham trade. Did he maybe luck out in Tommy Pham trade? Yeah, I don't know if they necessarily thought that Jake Cronenworth was going to be an impact-level player. They were probably making that trade for Tommy Pham, which ended up not working. But again, they've made some good moves, signing Mark Melanson. So it's not only money, but it's been too much of it. It's been too much about making splashy moves and not compounding it with stuff around the edges from both literally people you're hiring which I do think that he's, like I said with Niebla and Melvin, that those are just two little examples of signs that he's noticed that. But not compounding that. You, you get the stars. You get the big bunny bad boys. But my thing is, in an ideal world, I wouldn't mind if the Padres were like the two guys we're extending are Tatis and Soto. The rest, prospects, and just those, like the like the Brad Miller types, replacement level players. Hey, Odor's doing stuff right now. You You... I know Matt Carpenter hasn't been good, but contracts like that, where you're still spending, you're still at least doing something, you do not want to be the Milwaukee Brewers. Teams like that are crap, right? Absolute crap. You do not want to be like the Pittsburgh Pirates. You do not want to be like the Cleveland Guardians sometimes, although I know that they've changed a little bit recently. You don't want to be certainly like the Oakland A's, who, again, are a team that what the Pirates used to be, right? Where it's, we got to hope that all of our prospects hit, and then we have two years, otherwise we have to trade everybody because ownership won't spend. You don't want that. But I just think that overall, that's my issue. There is no single trade. This is not me saying that trade for Juan Soto was a disaster. In fact, I would have liked it. But for you to do all these moves, not extend him, not trust in your front office people, just all these separate issues that I've illustrated on this podcast. In fact, I think also just scratches the surface. I think there's so much more than this. I really do. And I think we're probably going to get more. You think someone's not working on a piece right now? Well, I promise you, somebody is. That's going to update and kind of break down even further what's going on with the Padres. Because for me, it just doesn't seem right. And you might say, oh, well, why'd Xander come here? I don't know, man. People people like money. Don't get me wrong. Same thing goes for Manny. But did you need to do those moves? I don't think so. I love Manny Machado. I defended him in the Nolan Arenado debate. Because my thing is, he cool. he's so much cooler. I love watching that man play, and he had a great game last night. But if you told me we were training for Juan Soto and we already got Tatis locked up, I'd be like, hey, all right, if we're going to do that, the price of admission is you can't then also extend Xander as well and Manny. Four guys for 40 years in total. They're going to be there until their 40s. They better hit and produce because then you're in trouble, and so far that they haven't, and they don't have enough guys and overall depth to be able to make up for it. There's still hope for the Padres. Let me be very clear. They could still turn things around. And again, they have been historically bad in a lot of ways with runners in scoring position, which isn't something you can necessarily always account for. But guys aren't getting better. And it just feels like that's where this starts. Starts with AJ Preller. Seidler deserves a lot of credit, but this organizational, this organization at a bunch of different levels is problematic. And that's why I think has led to the kind of issues that we have right now, which is wondering, what the heck's gonna happen? Is AJ Peller gonna get fired? Is Bob Melvin gonna be the scapegoat? What's gonna happen? I don't totally know. I don't totally know. That's my issues. I really wanna emphasize no the contracts are fine. It's just you didn't need to do all of them right now. You need to build. You don't need to do all of this right now. And I'm wondering at this rate, I'm 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 emphasizing farm stuff and whatnot, but do they need to just go out and trade Jackson Merrill and Ethan Salas because they're going to be screwed in a few years anyway with all these contracts. So you might as well just go super all for it right now. I guess we'll have to save that for another episode, guys. But that's me. That's my rant. It's kind of my full thoughts. And to be honest, there's still so much more to write about. And talk about, write about. Maybe I'll write about it, but you get my point. Still so much to talk about, but we're out of time. This has been a Chunky Boy episode. And I'm sure that I'm going to talk about Preller again. I'm sure there are still so many other things I forgot to mention. right? So many other moves from the 2015 year when he trades everybody for Kimbrell and and will the Will Myers trade, right? Like all that, I get it. But that's it for now. I'm hoping they can turn it around. There's still a team that, hey, if you get into the playoffs, I don't think any team would want to face them. They could still do some damage, but if you're wondering why, there's so many issues, it's that. And it's not just they spent too much money. It's not that. And anyone who says that is a fool. And you should punch them. No, I'm kidding. Don't punch them. Don't, no, no violence, everybody. I preach peace. But with that all being said, guys, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod. That may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember, to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from: Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever. Follow me on Twitter at javipeno, J A V I I P E N O, or at lo underscore Padres. Also, check out the YouTube as well. I'm gonna actually wear like a real shirt instead of the plain Hanes white tee. Which, granted, it's good enough. And Michael Jordan is good for me, you know what I mean. Shout out to the Hanes when he was doing those commercials. But even still, I'll try. I'll try and do better next time. I got my Hosmer City Connect sitting around somewhere. I'll, I'll wear that on tomorrow's episode. But until next time, stay safe. And of course, stay faithful, my fire Faithful homies. Take care.